Chapter Three of Two Sides to Every Question by Maud Jean Frank. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. Chapter Three Castles in the Air. All day long, Arthur Delta had been in an exalted state of mind, finding it difficult to bring down his thoughts from their elevation to the desk and long rows of figures and invoices that awaited his attention. Full of the hopes with which his cousin had inspired him, he had ridden rapidly back to town, resolved as soon as possible to release his little sum of money from the savings bank, and select some flourishing company for an investment. These aerial castles grew so rapidly that long before he closed his desk for the night, he was no longer the poor Arthur Delta, but a landed proprietor, with abundance of wealth and a beautiful setting for his fair gem. For a time, as we have said, Arthur Delta had been warmly received into his uncle's house at Clinton Park, and for a few happy months he had luxuriated there, almost forgetting that he had no share in its wealth or belongings. His aunt was very kind to him, and he was perfectly happy in the society of his cousins, but his uncle was never quite cordial with him. It had proved an almost unpardonable offence in the first instance that he was so entirely a Delta, no matter that his exterior was that of a gentleman, or that his fine dark eyes, curly black hair, and intellectual face would have been a passport anywhere. For intellectuality Mr. Clinton cared nothing, and the discovery he made as he shook hands with him as he landed at the port, that he was no Clinton, but thoroughly like his father, a Delta and poor, and as a Delta ever likely to remain so, was not calculated to give Arthur much chance of winning a place in his affections. After a time he made other discoveries for which he certainly had not bargained, and he heartily cursed his want of forethought and unsuspicion that had brought the very evil he had denounced in his sister to his own doors. Was the old transaction to be enacted again? No, indeed, it must be nipped in the bud, but so cautiously nipped that neither Elsie nor her cousin should suspect the discovery of what they scarcely admitted to themselves. By a slight movement among the officials of his mercantile establishment, Mr. Clinton managed to entrust certain duties to Arthur's care that compelled him to reside as near the business as possible. There was a greater amount of trust and responsibility required, and to attain his end, and at the same time give colouring to the proceeding, he gave him a considerable rise in his salary, so that though the separation between the cousins was thoroughly accomplished so far as daily companionship went, it did not assume the aspect of a dismissal or turn-out, and for a long time Arthur had no suspicion that his uncle had any other motive for the movement but forwarding his interests. He surely missed the luxury of the few last months, still more the delightful evenings in Elsie's society, which had smiled brightly through the routine of his daily work but latterly he had himself begun to doubt the wisdom of the life he had hitherto led, and its wealth and luxury only irritated him after he had discovered the state of his feelings with regard to his cousin Elsie. Better so, he thought, when his uncle proposed the change. It does me no good to be surrounded by wealth that is not mine, and that only causes useless repinings, for how can I dare ask Elsie from her beautiful home to such a one as I alone can offer, if I can dare? he added bitterly. I must make a home for her. I must gain a position. I must win wealth. Aye, but the how. That puzzled him, as it had puzzled many another man. Everyone is not gifted with the power of transmuting the baser coin to the precious metal, 
to some indeed it appears like the fruits of tantalus to elude their eager grasp yet how eager how universal is the strife to obtain wealth none can witness better than our own southern land in the same office and at the very next desk to that which arthur delta occupied tom alton amid the intervals of calculation on his principal's account had been busily engaged in calculations on his own he was building aerial castles too for what youth of sixteen or seventeen does not that day especially they had arisen for he had received an unexpected rise in his salary and the gold in his pocket grew and multiplied in his imagination quite as rapidly though not to the lofty elevation or with such ambitious ends in view as that of his companion as he sat there during one of these intervals of leisure making odd figures on the sheet of blotting paper with one hand while his other was thrust through his fair waving hair he was as busily weaving castles in the air as arthur delta himself the little house in the back street vanished away and a pretty cottage home with a lovely garden of fruit and flowers took its place a home not too far removed for the daily walk to the office but fair and bright and pleasant for his mother and nettie as to the sewing machine nettie might certainly do her own stitching with that if she liked but in those airy dreams stitching for other people was out of the question in a very short time and how short the time appeared to him in those visionary moments he would be able to keep them all and nettie's only occupation would be to keep house and make it pleasant for them and his dear mother she must grow well and strong and be happy once more he thrust both hands through his hair now and leaning both elbows on the desk he gave himself wholly to the pleasant dream in happy oblivion to everything around him he was brought down from his elevation by arthur delta who had just locked his desk and was preparing to leave the office are you dreaming alton he asked with a peculiar smile as he looked into the boy's glowing face and at length aroused him tom sprang from his desk with a start the quick colour mounting to his forehead are you going sir he asked in some confusion yes time too you seem in no hurry to-night we are the last on the premises was the laughing reply you cannot be very hungry no yes i suppose i am laughed tom i believe i was thinking and forgot the time he continued stooping down as he shut his desk and picking up a slip of paper from the floor your thoughts were agreeable enough by the look of your face said arthur i expect you have a pleasant home and father mother brothers and sisters to welcome you no father said tom we lost him a year ago and he smoothed the crape on his hat as he spoke i have a mother and a sister well they make home pleasant to you do they not jolly pleasant only when i get a little bit more money it will be better still for i will make it pleasant for them then so this youth has an object too thought arthur as he looked again at the bright face still bright with the castles in the air he had been raising yet slightly dashed with shadow by having to put those aspirations into language these castles that we raise will not bear the breath and a very slight word or look is sufficient frequently to betray their insecurity if not to bring the whole fabric to the ground you see said tom colouring over his fair face like a girl we have always lived in the country till the last twelve months and mother is ill and misses her old home father's death changed everything but i hope to make it all right one of these days and of course you will working for such an object replied arthur 
the recollection of his own mother and sisters and their deferred christmas gifts clouding his brow do you live far from this he presently asked no not far just turning out of king william street and he named the exact locality with evident reluctance you see mr delta it is central for both nettie and me but we won't stay there long thank goodness he added apologetically and reaching down his hat as he spoke and taking his lunch-bag he prepared to go certainly you will not said delta you will easily obtain what you wish when you are working for your mother good-bye tom be here early to-morrow we have a hard day's work before us they turned and walked away in opposite directions tom with the slip of paper he had taken up from the floor still twisting in his fingers he had picked it up merely by force of habit as he walked along he suddenly became conscious of it untwisted and opened it a morsel of white blotting paper scribbled all over the idle habit of one in deep thought he had done it himself many times but there was one word occurring over and over again and that word was shares so many shares at so much five pound shares ten pound shares and a fabulous doubling and trebling of capital and interest what did it all mean it meant that mr delta had his daydreams as well as himself only perhaps his castles were more splendid structures yes that must be it was it possible to do so much with shares he had heard enough about them but then there was loss as well as gain and it seemed hard to hazard what was obtained with so much difficulty nevertheless that word share so often repeated with its multiplied interest sent tom home dreaming of the future his castles in the air more substantial than ever but as he neared the little street and his own house door he began again to hesitate and doubt after all he thought to himself shares are not to be depended on they make or mar a man's fortunes and it must be dreadfully galling to lose all one's savings by a single smash and plenty have done so better the slow but sure bank process there is not much interest for your money certainly but it's pretty sure and with that comfortable unction to his perturbed spirit he opened the little gate and walked in it was a bright face he brought into the sitting-room to greet his mother and sister and a proud one as he turned his golden sovereigns his month's salary and told them of the rise mr clinton had given him he said i had fairly earned it mother and that was pretty nearly as good as the rise itself twice as good to me my dear boy said his mother looking at him through proud glad tears twice as good for it tells me of what i rejoice to know that my tom will prove a steady conscientious man and that i have always desired him to be it is not alone the money but the character you gain by well-doing that is precious to me and will be everything to you in the future as well as the present but the money is good mother dear said tom throwing his arm affectionately around her thin shoulders money can do so many things yes money is a great power either for good or evil said his mother gently on its use or abuse depends so many things there is so much to be said upon either side in fact mother said tom laughing gaily it is one of your two-sided questions there is the pro and the con to this as well as to most things well i hope to take the right side at any rate to make a good use of all the money that falls to my share i want to get a pleasant home for my mother and that can't be wrong he added sagely no dear 
provided all lawful means are used said mrs alton her pale face flushing with feeling not even for your mother must unlawful ones be used there are so many companies now mother flourishing companies too in which one might take shares and double and treble bank interest what do you think of them said tom resolved to have his mother's opinion to back his own that they are a speculation i should not like my son to enter upon i have known so much loss and misery connected with shares in mining companies hopes raised to be dashed to the ground homes ruined and reputations destroyed that i have prayed that you my son may never have anything to do with them far better slow returns to this hasting to be rich which so often ends in utter destruction and desolation yes so i think said tom i had a dream or two this evening on my way home of buying a share or so and of multiplying money but the recollection that there were two sides to the question brought me back to the reality i think there is another that is under the influence of the speculation mr delta in our office our governor's nephew i hope he won't get bitten for he's a nice fellow and all the hands like him but they do say that mr clinton made most of his money by mining speculations and that he still speculates largely said nettie looking up from the tea she was dispensing and speaking for the first time yes i know replied her brother here's one of the lucky fellows all he touches turns out so well but that's no reason why another fellow should prosper besides nettie it's one thing to speculate with plenty of funds and another to throw your all into the venture and to my mind smooth sailing is better than either said mrs alton quietly and all i desire for you dear tom you are getting on excellently and have every prospect of doing well only do not be in too great a hurry my son it was well for tom he had a mother to go to when he needed advice or help a mother whom he dearly loved and whose presence invalid as she was made the little home in spite of its surroundings a happy one he knew she was always ready to rejoice in his joy as well as to share or soothe his annoyance or sorrow and when he proudly spread his little golden store before her he well knew the glad look that would steal into those soft eyes even before he saw it there nettie was more demonstrative in her gladness and her enthusiastic exclamation oh tom dear you will be a rich man some day was not a whit more than he expected from her he laughed heartily at her then but after their mother had retired for the night as he sat with his elbows leaning on the table where nettie was finishing off some machine work he told her a few of his daydreams and how much he was longing for the time to come when they could leave that close little street and its unpleasant neighbourhood it would not take so much more than we have now to do that tom if it were not for the position we might get a nice house in the suburbs garden and all quite as cheap but it would not be so easy for me or for my work i could not leave mother so long as i should have to do so we must be contented with our little home for the present it is nearly the best in the street and really no one interferes with us we are very little annoyed now it was the truth they were not greatly troubled by their neighbours but in such a position and under such circumstances it was scarcely possible that they should escape all annoyance the very fact of the sad debasing sights that were occasionally visible which even the framework of green leaves and flowers could not entirely shut out the foul language that would find entrance even above the humming of the machine made that little house in the back street an undesirable residence but for a time both nettie and tom had more to endure 
the young arabs that thronged the gutter as tom set out for his office in the morning neatly and respectably dressed would annoy him greatly by their shouts look at the swell how much for your hat he could have chastised the whole lot of them with the greatest ease and contentment but his mother begged him not to do so it will make terrible work with our neighbours if you do live it down my son she said entreatingly you will soon tire them out it was hard work quietly to submit but time did wonders even in this particular nettie had much the same persecution to endure from her own sex perhaps even worse for women when so disposed go to sad lengths her dress her walk her looks her manners were mimicked and loudly commented on more than once she was rudely jostled and nearly pushed into the road but she quietly went on her way and tried to outlive the evil she did it more effectually by kind looks and words to the ragged urchins as she passed them or by little neighbourly acts of kindness that she was able to perform at one time assisting in dressing the wounds of a terribly scalded child whose mother had lost all presence of mind in her distress and was a perfect cipher as to any help she could give at another time taking a basin of nourishing broth to a sick woman whose friends seemed almost to have abandoned her her mother was right by little and little she lived down the prejudice against her a prejudice the result of her evident superiority which they envied but could not emulate and at length the house in the back street became far more tolerable still tom went on building his castles and nettie was ready to listen and aid in their erection whenever he desired it End of chapter three